Hello and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussions heard here are personal to the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to episode 37. This week we'll be chatting to Kat, who's come to talk to us about being young, sober and working with others. How are you doing, Kat? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, So before we start, we've got a question from a listener. Marie says, I'm in early recovery and I'm leaving a lot of meetings feeling like I'm taking on other people's problems. How would you suggest handling this? Kat, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, That's a really good question, to be honest. Um, It's probably quite a complex answer. (laughs) Um, To be honest, I think it's quite common to do things like that when you first get into recovery. I think it is quite common to take on a lot of people's stuff and um, it all can seem a bit overwhelming. I think it's just important to know that it is early recovery and early recovery is always going to be quite overwhelming. Um, there's so much in it it's all new everything's super confusing so I just think try not to put so much pressure on yourself Um, and then in regards to kind of taking on everyone's stuff the the thing about recovery is it's really a program about you um, and making sure that you are getting the best out of everything so if you're taking on people's problems too much just maybe limit the amount of phone calls you have maybe outside of meetings just try and focus on yourself and my number one thing is I always go to my sponsor and ask her advice on literally anything even if it sounds really stupid I had to ask her so many questions when I came in so I think I would always advise to speak to your sponsor um, if you're struggling with something but also just to know that it's early recovery and your emotions are all up and down and all over the show and things will get better and everything will get easier as with the more time that you have. So try not to put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, early recovery, you know, all the whole time through recovery is one day at a time, but I think especially in early recovery, you know, between six months and the first year, it is really about focusing on your foundation and you're building up your solidarity and your recovery and your foundation. And, you know later on like this chapter talks about once you've kind of got a solid foundation of recovery for yourself that's when you can really start supporting other people and kind of taking other people through the program um what's your experience been like of that jack um yeah there's a couple of situations where you know i've kind of like you said cat had to chat to my sponsor about um you know people and i think really it's just just it, you know a lot of us didn't really have maybe boundaries before we came into recovery and, and, and actually just see it as like a test of, you know, your part of recovery is you learning to reset your, your boundaries. And it's actually good to have a couple of tests of that, of people maybe overstepping what, <laughs> you know, when you're sober and you're thinking, hang on a second, you know, why did this guy call me at 1am in the morning? three nights in a row like that's should I be should I be allowing that or should I just block him and um, that's you know the thought process that you should go through which really gets you um, to to be able to kind of set your boundaries um, better over time and be more aware of what you want your boundaries to to be so it's actually probably everyone's experienced it a little bit but it's positive in that um, you know if you didn't have stuff to test your boundaries then 
then, then you wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be able to figure out what they what they are so um that's a way to, to try and spin it and be positive yeah 100% I think the other thing that I'd like to talk about which we I think mentioned last week is about it being women for women and men for men because I know that sometimes in your early days that can be a bit confusing um and actually yeah the way that the program is written is that women support women women kind of work with women through sponsorship and men do do it with men um and you know there's a variety of reasons why that's put in place but I think it is something that's really important to be to be aware of Mm. um so before we get on to chapter seven Kat do you just want to let us know when you got sober how long you've been sober and just give us a brief intro into what brought you into recovery yeah of course so um I so I actually I'm a zoom baby so I came in um I I knew that I was in really big trouble with my alcohol intake and I knew I was using it to cope in a really unhealthy way and I've really for me I just reached a really bad point in my mental health um I just felt broken to be honest um and so uh i i started doing a couple of zoom meetings in um sort of in the in 2020 which was kind of the first sort of lockdown um but i relapsed a couple of times when things reopened again um but i managed to um bring myself back again and then my so my sobriety date is the 24th of september um, and I haven't had a drink since so that is a year and nearly two months Amazing. <laughs> fab that's incredible congratulations Thanks. um so today we're going to be talking about chapter seven of the big book which is the next in our series working through the big book um and it's called working with others now we did an episode on sponsorship previously um which is episode sorry 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 episode 21 um so if you want to hear more about sponsorship I would recommend going back and having a listen to that episode we're not going to focus on sponsorship quite as much in this episode um we're going to be talking about working supporting newcomers and also looking to other people in recovery for support and how that's kind of transformed our recovery um and yeah, just, just kind of supporting people in their early days and also how we approach people that we meet in active addiction um, and whether we even do that at all. So um, just to start with, it says in the book that frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Um, and I mean, that's 100% been my experience, not just with newcomers, but with other people in recovery and kind of fellowship and the friends that I've made in recovery Kat I wondered what your experience of that was oh a hundred percent I was I knew my sponsor actually said this the other day when I asked her to do a chair for me um I didn't I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere and and until I started AA because and I started going to meetings because I felt like people understood what I was going through and I'd never had that in my life where someone was like yeah no I get you I totally relate to what you're saying and it was just like wow um and you know from there the connections and the friendships that I've made with people have just been like no other I you know I know people say I wish I came in sooner but you know it's like it kind of is a bit like that now because I do think 
we just kind of get each other on a level that just I don't think anyone else ever can and so it was ridiculously important to me that I had that I have and I had people around me that understood me um the most important thing um as they say connection is the opposite to addiction so it's it's the most important thing I think out of everything yeah Jack Yeah, I um, yeah, I think because I, I came in on Zoom, I'd still I'd call people, but um, you know when I was in my early recovery, but I didn't have the physical fellowship that um, you know we have now, and actually didn't realise um, before kind of how much how important it it was. Um, I definitely you know was able to get sober on on zoom um but actually for your longer term sobriety i think it's really important to um you know develop those relationships and you've already got some <laughs> shared interest in you know not drinking um and it's easy to find other shared interests with you know other people who um are in recovery as as well um and you're right i think it's kind of just that instant connection makes it a lot easier to um build new relationships you know compared to other people outside of, of AA so um yes hugely positive um different aspect to you know my kind of friendship group now that I am um sober which I don't know how I kind of survived with that <laughs> well, I didn't really survive before um so yeah yeah, 100%. And it brings to mind for me, you know, I mentioned just before women for women and men for men, I, during my drinking, and even during like before that in my teenage years, I didn't really have female friends, like I kind of surrounded myself with men. And I thought, at the time, I thought I wasn't friends with women, because I thought they were like really bitchy. And like, I just didn't really like them and blah, blah, blah. And actually, the more time I've spent in recovery, I've realized that actually, I avoided them because I was so intimidated by them. And like, I yeah I just didn't think I was impressive enough or good enough to be friends with these women and the process of recovery for me has been really transformative because I've got this group of sober women who I love more than anyone in the world and who I kind of share things with that I never thought I'd share with another person you know we talked about um step five last week and about how we shared with our sponsors things that we thought we would take to our grave but it's not only that now it's this group of women that I feel like I can literally call anytime and it's this idea that like in early recovery I kind of thought oh my gosh if people know things about me this stuff about me like they're never going to want to speak to me again and they're going to leave and this group of women have really really transformed my idea of kind of like unconditional love and just like everything that, I, that has, I've come up against and all of these like horrible feelings and horrible thoughts when I share them with them I almost like tense up and I'm like are they gonna leave are they gonna leave are they gonna leave and then when they don't it's so beautiful and so amazing um and I wonder Jack whether you'd found that with men um but also Kat whether you had a similar experience yeah I to be honest agree yeah it's I like the way you put it kind of you know maybe you found like talking to new like I had some school friends who were guys but and from university but like talking to any new people outside of that who I wasn't comfortable with who were men was um was intimidating in the end because I just felt you know now what I understand such a sense of low self-esteem and, and I think just building up that um 
in your early and your through your first year of sobriety just gives you the confidence to be like actually I am you know valid and, and these people probably I, I I might be interesting to them um as much as they're interesting to to me um and so yeah like you have kind of definitely developed my male friendship group um more inside and outside of AA um than when I was drinking what about you Kat? Yeah, I I wanted obviously definitely want to speak honestly. I um I struggle with it's the biggest thing that I struggle with actually is is connection because for such a long time I was really just drinking by myself and I'd got to the point 2 years before I came in where I had convinced myself that I didn't need anyone. And I was like you don't need anyone all you need is alcohol at this I'd kind of I'd, I'd lost so many friends over a 10 year period of drinking um that I I really did get to the point where I just thought you know it's fine like don't worry about it. you don't need anyone you're okay um and I went with that for two years so when I when I came in you know I had no one no friends not even I mean I went through the stage where I had a few male friends but they all went as well so I really didn't have anyone and so it was very hard and similar to similar to you Alex I I definitely find women quite intimidating um and I really struggled initially you know and sometimes still do slowly little gems are staying in my life which is just amazing but I've still you know I still struggle with it definitely I still struggle with connecting to other people um but I have the people that I have connected over such a it's connected with over this short space period of time that I've been in recovery um it's just been amazing it's been like no other you know and 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 they, we really do kind of get each other on, on another level but I wanted to always express that when I first came in, I really didn't have anyone. And if you listening to this and you don't have anyone and you don't have any friends, um, you're not alone with that. People, people come in really by themselves and then really struggle to, um, to form connections. And I just think it's something that can take people, some, some people a little bit longer um, and that's okay. And it will come in time. So I think it's important that people don't put anyone that's, you know, similar, doesn't put too much pressure on themselves to be like in big social circles and things like that. Like it'll all come in time. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> um, keep doing little things, make sure your connections up, but don't worry if you're not making like best friends with people within a week of you know being sober and going into the fellowship and just don't worry about that because it, it really can take a bit of time um, yeah yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent um so the next part I mean a lot of this chapter is about kind of putting ourselves in other people's shoes and thinking about how we would want to be approached by other people and how the approach in AA is different from approaches that we've had in the past but also that people have had towards us in the past because AA is something that works and has worked for us, unlike anything else. Um, and there's this bit on the first page, actually, that says, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. Um, cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. If he does not want to stop drinking or if they do not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade them. You may spoil a later opportunity. And for me, this brings up 
kind of memories of people trying to get me to stop drinking but people that weren't in the rooms so like family and friends and the way that it like felt quite accusatory and quite preachy um and how my reaction to that was so resistant like I just was so defensive and so unwilling to listen and then when I think about the way that people approach me in early recovery and how I try now to approach people in early recovery or people that I come across that are in active addiction is rather than saying you should do this you should do that and kind of being quite like up on my kind of high horse about it just sharing my experience and hoping that they hear something in that that is going to resonate with them and I know that in my early recovery that was amazing I remember when I heard people's stories I was like I was just really moved by the fact that they weren't I didn't feel like they were judging me I just felt like they were sharing their experience and when I heard people talking about not just the way that they drank but the way that they thought it really like yeah just opened my eyes and made me think this was something for me um I don't know whether your experience was like that as well Mm, yeah definitely um uh yeah most of this chapter is just about being there for people you know being there for someone not not being preachy not you know telling people what to do because it's it's so important that you don't do that because this um this journey is so personal to each individual that there's no like right way or wrong way to do it it's just you just do your best and you do what you can and 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 the best way to that I found was yes very similar to you it was kind of if so someone had forced me to come here I mean that would have just been I mean we're alcoholics so we're the most stubborn you know people ever so no one can force anyone to do this you have to get to that point on your own and show willingness you know so so for me if any if any like newcomer calls me and then and then you know I I just try and listen um listen to them share my experience as it says in the book um and you know if they choose to go back out drinking again then that's fine I'll be I'll still be there for them when they come back you know it's kind of that it mentions a lot in the book about pressure you know don't pressurize people don't people it's the worst thing for us to feel pressurized because I don't know about you guys but when someone pressures me I will do the absolute opposite to what they're telling me to do because I'm like uh no you don't pressure me see you later um so it's kind of like the worst thing you can do really is pressurize alcoholics just you just have to come to the realization on your own and then be there for that person if they if they want if they want to talk to you when when they come to that that realization we can always hope that people want to come in sooner and want to do it really but you know it's their time when it's their time you know um so that's that's what I I really got that from this from that from this chapter I think it's quite a lot about um you know helping that person feel like they're not alone and you know all of us came in and like have probably tried counseling and reading some you know books on (laughs) like mental health or whatever and like just no one really kind of knew what to do with us um and we didn't know what to do with ourselves and we all share share that experience and and it says um you know 
tell like in a meeting tell tell this person what happened to you so they can identify with you um and then tell them you're an alcoholic and and you know they probably don't <laughs> and let them work out for themselves that they're an alcoholic rather than um and i'm sure you guys be interested to hear but have experience of you know maybe in your early recovery or even now just being a bit preachy about you know telling your friends that they're drinking too much or family that they're drinking too much and um that often falls on very <laughs> very deaf ears you have to let people figure it out for themselves yeah totally i had a few interactions with friends actually a friend who um called me during lockdown and said you know i think i'm drinking too much i think i'm taking too many drugs and then I invited them to a meeting and they came to a meeting and then they stopped coming and I see them all the time and it's it's difficult because like we get so excited about what we have we get so excited about recovery that we want to give it to other people and I've definitely had to learn and I love how much this chapter talks about it about not pushing it and not saying like you must do this like and not kind of assuming that I know the answer to somebody else's problems um I do tend to sometimes have a bit of a savior complex and think like it's up to me to save the world and to save people and to bring them to recovery um and there's actually a lot of ego in that because that's me assuming that I know what's best for other people and you know I don't I also can't control other people and that's something that I've had to slowly wrap my head around and something I definitely don't get right all the time is like this desperate need to like want people to get well and to want them to get well in the right way but then actually having to take a step back and let go and think like okay they've got their own higher power they will come to it when they're ready and if they're not ready it's not up to me to force them mm. um so yeah that kind of letting go of control of other people and their actions is something that's definitely been part of my recovery what about you Kat? Yeah no I agree I mean all out myself I definitely did it um a couple of months back maybe a bit longer actually I did it it was um a good a good that family friend um and he you know was in a really bad way he asked to me I think like I'm with you I think we just get excited sometimes um because you know and I I remember it, he ca he came to this meeting and it was one of my favorite meetings in Angel and um you know, I could see him nodding away and I was like, oh my God, he's going to get it. This is amazing. And then after that, you know, he did go back out, I think the day later. And um, I remember feeling at the time, like really, really disheartened, like, oh my God, what did I do something wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And then also like a little bit annoyed as well. <laughs> um, and then I thought, and I had to talk it out with my sponsor. My sponsor was like, this has got nothing to do with you, Kat. This is, this is not your recovery. This is his recovery. You just have to be there for him when or if he ever wants to come back. And so I don't think that things like that ever being preachy and stuff, I don't think it comes from a bad place when people do it. It's definitely not helpful in any way. But I just think people get excited. I got excited about I wanted to give him it. And I wanted to give him AA and recovery and, you know, he didn't want it. He might want it at some point. He didn't want it, you know, and that, and that's okay. And I really had to learn that, but I think people have to go through these experiences, you know, to then come out the like of the other end and kind of realize that you can't force people to do it. Um, and that, that can be hard sometimes for, for alcoholics, but especially for 
you know, other family members who don't quite understand, you know, why can't you just stop drinking? You know, for us, we can kind of understand it on a level, whereas people outside, you know, non-alcoholics, I mean, it must just be so baffling for them to, to, to be able to comprehend, you know, um, what about you, Jack? Yeah, I was just going to add on to that really um, around the God piece. And it definitely mentions that in chapter seven, um, you know, uh, and everyone I've spoken to, if they have questions about AA or the 12 step program, it's like, but what about like, I don't, I, you know, what about this God thing? And um, I, that's a big hurdle and it's why it's talked about in here. Right. And it's, the explanation to that is that it's and I think you know I'm still similar to, to you cat like a year and a bit and it's like we're probably still developing our kind of spirituality as well so when people ask that question I would say well you know the honest answer is I kind of just faked it until I make it and now I feel a bit more spiritual than I did <laughs> when I came in but like that is always a big hurdle for people and um especially you know especially friends and also if I still feel a bit weird talking about it because I'm not necessarily I wouldn't necessarily talk to that to my friends about that before or my family about that before and you know that's kind of a, I don't really know how to describe it or um and yeah it, it's you have to especially in when the first few people that you speak to new people or people that have questions about a you don't really know, you haven't had to explain it to anyone necessarily before because it's all been focused on you getting better and I feel like the first two or three times or people that I've really you know have asked questions about it or want to talk to me about their drinking I've, after the conversation like you said Kat I felt a bit disheartened because I felt like did I was I selling it enough or did I oversell it or <laughs> um and uh yeah I haven't got there yet like you you know had a couple of people come come to meetings and dropped off nodded away smiled said they really enjoyed it and then you know dropped off a day or a couple of days after and um yeah it's just you have to you, you, you're doing your best and, and that's in the end all you can do to help your own recovery right I love that you you mentioned the higher power but there's a bit in this chapter again that says they do not have to agree with your conception of God they can choose any conception they like and that's something that um my sponsor person I believe did really well because I was so resistant to the word God so resistant to going into a church like really almost like massively against it and she really gently like just let me go on my own journey with it so like originally I said my step three prayer to a tree and like just refused to go into a church and like through the process of recovery I've now you know formed my relationship with a higher power um I've become a Christian which is crazy but obviously that's not prescriptive that's not kind of the plan of recovery is to get you to become a Christian it's just to kind of get you to form a relationship with a higher power and I think that that openness and that acceptance of the fact that like the higher power doesn't have to be a specific kind. It can be literally whatever you want it to be, as long as it's something greater than you. Um, and so that experience for me from my sponsor has really enabled me to do that for other people. And the thing that I love about my personal faith is that there is no judgment of anyone else's beliefs. Like I don't think my belief in God is any more valid than anyone else's. And 
like my friend Rose, for example, um, she's really into like Wiccan stuff and like she does all these like moon rituals and she does like tarot cards and like she like dances around in the forest with her crystals and like that's her higher power and I love it. I love that like she can have this amazing experience with her higher power and I can appreciate that. And then I can have my experience with my higher power and she can appreciate that. I wonder what your kind of initial introduction to higher power was. Um, yeah, my I, I, I was very similar, you know, um, I, I was actually a bit disheartened, a bit deflated when I went to my first live meeting and I saw these two like bits of white kind of sheet type things hanging from wherever they were. And it was like, God, 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 God. And it had God written all over it. And I thought, well, that's that then, because I'm just like, if, if I have to believe in God to get me sober, then I'm, I'm just not like, I'm not going to be sober because that is just, that is just not me. That's I'm, I'm not going to do that. And, um, and it took me a, a really long time. Actually, it took me months to understand what the the concept of a higher power and what it actually is, which is literally just a God of your understanding, not, the white you know bearded bloke up in the sky that you that I would I for me I'm not religious in any way shape or form so that was honestly what I associated with I thought oh my god they're gonna make me go to church and I'm all for like people who find god and go to church I think that's amazing you know incredible um but there's loads of people that don't and that that's not you know like you said your friend dancing around you know that's her higher power like you know it can just literally be like I know someone that says in the morning when they do their prayers, they say morning spirit of the universe. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, or they're a family member who's died up in the sky or wherever, you know, that's their higher power. It's just literally believing that you are not the most important person in the world. That is, that is it. It's just like, there's something or someone. And I think for me, I really got it with things like nature um because I started to think of things like this I just started to think there's too many things in the world that can't be explained that just cannot be explained like there's literally is no it just doesn't make sense and so therefore there must be something bigger than all of us that you know has the control here you know and we're just like the puppets in the puppet show or whatever and I think once I learned that I just had to believe that there was something bigger than me and that was as simple as, as it was, I think that's when things started to get a hell of a lot easier for me. <laughs> um, what about you, Jack? What's your kind of experience? Um, yeah, I think I kind of always, like I said, just faked it till I made it really in, in with the high power and, um, like you said, it's about just not being, you know, not thinking you're the most important thing in the world. Think like thinking that you can't, for me, honestly, it's just the, the act of, it's not the prayer I say, it's the act of getting on my knees, which is like submitting to the day that um, I can't control everything that goes on in that, in that day. And for me, that's enough to reset myself you know, on a daily basis and 
I don't I never want to get on my knees because I'm like I'm in control of <laughs> the day and then once I'm on my knees I'm like okay now I've submitted to control for the day and and um this is pretty much as you know as as uh it might it might develop over time but for me now that's like a massive step further than where I, I was before um so so yeah um but I think there's another part in this you know, chapter which where it, it talks quite a lot about the family of you know or people who are close to the alcoholic that you're you're trying to help um and how much you get involved with um with them um but also i think alex and i particularly like the bit about um where it says you know they there's, there'll be people going through financial problems family problems and they need to put recovery first um to overcome you know their addiction um and a lot of people say you know i want to get sober so i can get my partner back or so i can pay off my debt or so i can keep my job um and you know all of those things might be true and you know for a lot of people they they are um but i think the, the point here is just around you know putting it putting recovery 100 percent first um uh, over everything else i don't know what your guys experience if you said you'd relapse a couple of times cats i don't know if there's any experience there that you had around you know maybe putting something else first and, and finally getting to the point where you decided that recovery was, was number one yeah i think for me um yeah my i had to yeah i was very i had to put it first and it wasn't and it was the reason 100 percent why i relapsed multiple times because i was not putting it first and also I was very resentful of it because I'd kind of knew that I I was an alcoholic, but I also couldn't like manage, I felt like I couldn't manage life without alcohol. Um, I, and I, I struggled really bad at work because um, I was never the type of person really that came home and like drank bottles of wine on my own. It was more, I was terribly fearful terribly awkward all the time um really didn't like myself and it was kind of social situations that really got me i thought i can't do them without alcohol i just ca i can't do this i cannot do this without alcohol i can't go and sit in a pub with my colleagues and just sit there whilst they're all drinking and not drink like it just it just didn't and, and, and what I was doing was I was still putting alcohol first, like alcohol, it says in the book multiple times, alcohol was my master and alcohol was my master and still is if I don't do this program every day and put my recovery first, alcohol becomes my master again. Um, so, and I really had to put it first, you know, and I kept, I kept like just doing stupid things like coming up with excuses to not go to, oh, I'm a bit tired or, oh, I had a really long work day and, oh, no, you know, all that sort of stuff, like coming up with the excuses as to why I couldn't go. And as that was happening, I was getting sicker and sicker because I knew about recovery and I was still drinking. And oh, my God, if any of you guys have been in that place, it is not nice because you kind of know what you need to do, but you can't quite get there or there's something you're just not handing it over. You're just not putting it first and being in that place. I've seen people be in that place for years and it's a really nasty place to be. Um, 
so I eventually you know really came to to my knees and decided that I needed to put it first and when I and I can still I can still not put it first some days I can I'll be honest sometimes I don't put it first every day and and I suffer on those days I really do when I don't put my recovery first and I don't do the things our old behaviors start creeping in and I start doing like stuff that I would have done when I don't necessarily pick up a drink but I start behaving in certain ways that I know are unhealthy so it really is putting it first every single day making a decision to hand that will over every single day when you get up that's the only way that you kind of and just handing it over like like Jack said like I am not in control yeah I don't, I don't know what's going on you have it and then you go about your day just trying to not take control of things and blah blah and when I do that and I get up and I do that it's weird but I have a good day so you know it works yeah, totally. And I mean, in terms of, you know, this chapter working with others, like, you know, in, a lot of the time in early recovery, when people come to you, they're like, oh, my job is in a state or my finances are in a state or, you know, my friendships are in a state or my family relationships are in a state. And part of working with other people and kind of supporting newcomers and sponsorship and whatever is saying, like, if you put your recovery first, what is meant to happen will happen, you know, financial insecurity will leave us you know we look at the step nine promises and things will start to fall into place but you have to put your recovery first and something we also mentioned last week is what's going to kill you first is being in financial disarray going to kill you is having a bad relationship with your family going to kill you no but drinking will and you know I loved what you said Kat about having they talk about having a mind full of AA and a belly full of alcohol and how uncomfortable that is because you know what you're supposed to be doing and yet you're you're still you know leaning into the alcoholism and yeah like you said when we put it first it's it's just so much it's so much better it's so much easier um so I think we'll we'll finish on this this section just here so it says in here it's important for them to realize that our attempt to pass this on to them plays a vital part in our own recovery and I just want to kind of talk a little bit about service and how you know being of service in any way, shape or form. So, you know, making teas at meetings or greeting or, you know, doing a podcast or, you know, helping out with conventions or whatever, just, just kind of doing whatever you can is so important. And that when we reach out to newcomers and when we support newcomers, it isn't just about them, it's also about us. And, you know, when we're reminded of the horrors of early recovery and how difficult it is, it also helps us to stay sober because we get out of our own heads and we we are caring more about others. Um, so I wondered, yeah, how how service kind of works for your recovery and how it, how it makes you feel, both of you. Um, yeah, I think service is so important. It literally says it so many times in this chapter about the first thing that you do is you try and help and you try and be of service um, because it's kind of opposite to that to our alcoholism our alcoholism wants us to be selfish and to go out and it's all me 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 and re in recovery it's like no it's about other people it's about being um, being of service to other people and to the meetings and so yeah one of my first things that I did was I took a tea commitment at a meeting I really liked. I think it's really important to find a meeting that you really like. There are some, I had to go like to a few different meetings until I found one where I really, really liked. And then I took 
um a tea commitment there and it was just great like everyone coming in I'm quite shy I can be the type of person that doesn't really like talking to people so taking the tea commitment was the one thing that I really kind of really didn't want to do because it's like I have to literally be like hello and and say hello to everyone and make the tea and then not even just that but go to the shop beforehand get the milk you know get the sugar get all that it's like being of service you know um and that was the one of the best things I ever did because I got to know people I got to know everyone's names and and it was nice for me as well and people came in and they're like hi cat you know it was nice I really liked that and then you know and I, I have been the type of person that has I have constantly had service throughout um my um year of sobriety so far because I just think service keeps you sober you know um and I really do believe in that um, you know, if, if, if I ever get asked to do something for AA, like a chair or help in any way, I always try and, you know, I always say yes, because again, it comes first. Um, but it's, it's also just for me as well, service is really just taking me out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, it's, it's me offering to help when, you know, I mean, it's just done, this program has just done so much for me that you know if I can help in any way I mean it's like you're not you, you can't say you know you've got to help um so yeah I think it was it was great for me service was great because I got to meet people it got me talking to people when I didn't when my first thing is I don't want to talk to people I want to sit at home by myself and wallow in you know in self-pity it's like nope you've got to go there you've got somewhere to be you've got to do the commitment blah 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 so I think it's really important and I would always encourage like especially like newcomers when you're new in AA like 100% take commitments it's the best way to get to know people it's the best way to form connections gets you talking gets you out of your shell um and 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 you feel good after because you feel like you've helped and you've you've done something worthy and we're not used to feeling worthy so yes yeah, it's, it's really important yeah amazing um on that note i think we're gonna have to wrap up um what is something that you two are grateful for today kat do you want to start oh i am grateful for everything um I'm, I'm grateful that I, I have got to a point where I honestly can hand on heart say I do not crave alcohol today. And that is just amazing. Um, I'm grateful to be talking to you guys today. Um, I'm grateful that I got up, you know, hangover free. Um, I'm grateful for life. I'm just grateful to be alive today. What about you guys? Yeah. Um... I am grateful for, I think, so I went for a cycle with my, one of my best um, friends from university this morning. Um, but I think like you said, Kat, I, like, I just, I don't think, you know, I'd seen him on and off for the last three or four years of my drinking, but really, you know, we hadn't hung out at all. And it's the same with my best friend from school who I didn't speak to for about seven years. <laughs> And, um, you know, now I'm with either of them, you know, every couple of weeks and, and um, it, it almost seems, almost wasn't grateful for it this morning because it's, because it just happens, you know, so much now that I, I, I get to hang out with them. But um, 
compared to where I was beforehand, which was like circulating between random new groups of friends who wanted to go out drinking and do that for three months and then move on some, you know, some other people. Like it's just the consistency of um, building, you know, relationships with people in, in AA and outside of AA, which is over time where you build, you know, level of kind of trust that just didn't exist before. So um, that's what I'm grateful for today. Amazing. I am grateful for being able to pass on the gifts of recovery. Like I love this. I feel like this chapter was really kind of aptly timed. I'm, um, I've been helping out organize the Young People's Convention online, which is starting tomorrow. Um, and just for anyone that's listening, I'll post the poster on our Instagram. Um, which is Young and Sober podcast because we would love to see there and there's all sorts of amazing things there's a panel on dating relationships and sex there's a panel on Al-Anon um, there's a panel on sponsorship and it's it's just been so fun to be a part of it like there's a group of us that are all organizing it and it's just week by week kind of seeing it get together and just thinking about how it's going to impact other young people's recovery has just been it's just been amazing to be a part of and I'm really really excited for it um so both of you thank you so much for being here with me and thank you listeners for joining us we will be back next week with another speaker and a topic please do like and subscribe if you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today or you'd like to hear about the convention we would love to hear from you so send us a message on instagram at young and sober podcast or email us at young and sober at outlook.com that is it for yet another episode we are young and sober Thank you.